I wanted to talk to you about eight new things that I believe that God uh, is granting to you in this time, in this season of transition. Um, however, I think it's probably going to be impossible to do, uh, to share with you these eight things. So instead, I wanted to talk to you about transition, what transition looks like, some of the things that happen during transition. I want to talk to you about how, uh, how I believe the Lord is about to finish what he has started in this house. And also, I believe at the end, we're supposed to have a fresh oil impartation service. And, uh, and, it, and it all has to do with the remnant. But um, tell you what, as we're getting started here, wow, that was the scripture, remember, that I gave you? That, that, that's incredible. Get this, the storehouse, and, and remember, this was the, the verse we ended with at 555. We were in there whiteboarding today, 222 to 555. And um, how long? 333, three, three. come on now, Jeremiah 333. Three. I know, yeah, yeah, Tracy and I, we are freaks. We are birds of a feather and we stick together. But, but here it is, the storehouse of truth in Matthew chapter 13, verse 51. It says, have you understood all these things? And see, one of the things we were talking about last night is that truth brings understanding. And in Matthew 13, 23, it says the good ground. How many of you want to be good ground? Come on, Chris, are you good ground, girl? Come on now. <laughs> Becoming good ground is a process. But it says the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, right, John Carlo? This is what we were talking about last night. And bears fruit and produces 100-fold, 60-fold, and 30-fold. But then it says, yes, they told him. Therefore, he said to them, every student of scripture or the new king, Jimmy there says, every scribe instructed in the kingdom, instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who brings out of his storeroom what is new and what is old. And it's interesting, again, the new king, Jimmy there says, pulls out of his treasury, both the new and the old. And see, God is, is opening up our eyes to the treasury that we carry within, that we can begin to bring out a new thing in a way that will cause our hearts to rediscover the old. The, not, not, not old in a bad way, but the foundations, the former. How many of you know, get this, you know, Tra Tracy came over to me uh, during worship of the text, and um, you know, I, I love the study of names. How many of you know that, that, that oftentimes you can, you can determine identity that then can give way to function when you begin to recognize um, names and what, you know, what, what we're named is important. And also, oftentimes, God will speak prophetically through the names that he's given to, uh, to other things here on earth. How many of you heard what the name of this, uh, this little storm that's happening out there is? Anybody heard it? Woo -woo. You heard it? What's the name of it? Cleon. Not Klingon. <laughs> but... <laughs> I texted to one of, my, one, of, one of our folks back home, and they go, isn't that a Star Trek thing? I said, no, but I'll take some clinging glory, because Cleon means glory. Listen, a storm called glory has come into our midst. And what did we talk about last night in Job 37? That by the breath of God, ice is given. By the breath of God, ice is given. And he commands, it says, have you been to the treasury called snow? Have you been to the treasury of hail? Have you come to the ark of his presence to where you're situa situated under that realm of glory? To where he can begin to open up and not just pour out on, but pour out in so he can pour out through you. And so tonight, I believe that God wants to position us for a greater glory. Say greater glory. greater glory. Amen. And it often comes to the latter temple. But I'm telling you, it's the blending together of the latter and the former reign in the new temple. And that's what God is doing in this house. But uh, turn with me, if you could, 
to, uh, let's see, where do we want to start tonight? She got a boom, 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 bam. We'll go ahead and I'll just I'll share with you these eight new things to look forward to as we transition into the new and never before seen. And uh, as we do that, again, uh, I'll talk to you about transition, contractions, and then I want to talk to you about how the Lord's going to bring the capstone. I know, I know preaching out of Zechariah 4 is, is shaky ground here. But also, I believe that God has a fresh oil that he wants to pour out to a remnant of people. See, it says in Zechariah 8.12, it says that the seed, will, the seed will become prosperous and the vine will yield its strength. It says the heavens will give their due and the ground will give her increase. It says a remnant of people will possess all of these. I think, I think that word remnant there uh, in the Hebrew meant uh, those who come out in, uh, in, in freezing temperatures and are willing to park in parking lots that are full of ice. It'd be you. Amen. So, again, these eight new things to look for uh, as we transition into the new and never before thing. One is a new name that brings with it a new identity as we become a new wineskin. Two, new garments of praise and new garments of favor that are going to bring us into a season of the increase of stature. See, it was said of Samuel in 1 Samuel 2.26 that he grew in favor with God and man and he increased in wisdom and stature. How many of you want to grow in favor? Come on, Jesus. How many of you want to increase in wisdom? Ho! And stature. In other words, it's not the increase of the anointing. You're just given a greater platform with the anointing you've already been given. Amen? It's a light called favor that shines upon your life. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to begin to raise it up. And we see in Luke 2, verse 52, it says that the same, it said the same thing of Jesus, that he grew in favor with God and man. You can grow in favor. Do you know that? There's a growth of favor in our life, and it said they grew in wisdom and stature. But in verse 51, it tells us how he grew. He submitted to the house. Luke 2.51, it said he willingly submitted himself to Mary and Joseph. He willingly uh, came into alignment with the structure of the house that he had been uh, placed in. And see, one of the ways that we come into a season of increase and we grow in favor is when we find the house we're called to and we submit ourselves in that place. Amen. We bring our gifts, we bring our grace to that table, and we, and we, just, we, we just surrender to what God has us there to do. And I'm so excited to, uh, about what God is doing in the house, but more, more than what God is doing in the house, I'm excited about who God is bringing to the house. Because if you can hear this correctly, God will bring you through another man's gate to bring you into your own city. And see, people, God's going to begin to start bringing people through these doors in a way that's going to bring alignment to their life to where they can see the assignment they've been given completed. So again, it's new garments of praise that are going to lead to new garments of favor and a season of the increase of stature. And that's going to give way to new relationships. New relationships. New relationships, new friends, new family. New acts of God's power. How many of you know in Daniel eleven thirty two it says those those who know their God experientially they've seen God for themselves like David was singing about. Those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. They will demonstrate great power. It's also the increase of His presence, and that's unlocking new weapons and strategies for the wars ahead. Again, the Lord told me to tell you guys that the battle has begun, but it's a battle that has already been won. Yeah. The battle has begun, but it's a battle that's already been won. Don't look at the enemy. Begin to lift your eyes. Begin to lift your heads and begin to see the one who's already fought. Begin to see the one who is victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God who calls us to triumph in all things. And it's all about the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus Christ being released in and through our life.
As I shared last night, your position is praise, but your function is to plunder. And I'll tell you, you're going to begin to start seeing the answers of what you prayed for when you begin to praise for, that, praise for those same things. What you praise for is going to begin, begin to produce the breakthrough of what you've prayed for. The sixth thing is new sounds and new songs. Seventh, new anointings and new mantles. Eighth, new level of authority. And again, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Say now. Yeah. When? Yeah. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Isaiah 42, 9 says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Philippians 3.12, Paul's addressing the peril of not progressing. See, how many of you know, sometimes in, in our walk as Christians, we can kind of get to a certain place and kind of get stuck there for a little bit. And, 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 and he's addressing this peril of not progressing. He said, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. I press on. And see, in the midst of not being perfect, we still have areas we can grow. We've got to press on. And as we press on, it says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. See, and it's necessary to let go, to come through, to lay hold. And that's what Paul was doing. He said, I'm not there yet, but I'm letting go to lay hold. And I want to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of me. Now, transition. Transition. I feel like where we are right now is we're in a season of transition, but we're coming through it quickly. Transition is the process or a period of changing from one state or condition to another. It's a movement, a development, or an evolution from one stage or style to another. And I've got a little article here dealing with uh, transition in terms of labor, but for the sake of time, I just pulled out a couple quotes that I believe have application to the process of this house. During transition, contractions or the inner workings within the body become very strong and often their duration and frequency are less predictable. What does that mean? Stuff's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen inside the body. There's just going to be stuff popping off. The body's in a time of change. And so we've got to allow some margin for that change to happen in a healthy way. Now, tra transition is accompanied by contractions. Okay? And I realize, ladies, I, I'm speaking well outside of my lane of understanding. But bless God, I googled. So I've got a little bit of understanding. It's not firsthand, it's secondhand. But interesting, if you were to define contraction, this is the simplest definition. The process of becoming smaller. The process of becoming smaller. That he would increase, that we may decrease. The fact that he gives grace to the humble. And I'll tell you, in times of transition, grace is needed. Amen? It's also the shortening and thickening of a muscle for the purpose of exerting force on or causing movement of a body part. It's also the combining of two words to create a new sound with the same meaning. So it's the bringing together of two separate entities, two separate bodies to create a new sound for the same purpose. And see, God's going to begin to network you with, with other bodies and other members, even within the body. This is an individual, but it's also a collective and corporate word. God's going to begin to bring together different pieces that are pointed in the same direction and saying the same things to release a new sound here on earth.
At this stage during transition, legs and arms, which are what? Members of our body, tremble uncontrollably. Stuff's going to happen. It's transition. It's okay. Members start freaking out and just flopping everywhere. It's okay. It's part of the process. Most women recall feeling irritable and becoming astonishingly rude. The coach, which, what'd you say, Crystal? I did. I leave tomorrow. The coach, I took this from an article written by a woman, so it's okay. That's my get out of jail free card. He, hear me here. The coach, which is the leader in the room, okay? The midwife, if you will. And, and, I, and I've often told Tracy, when I'm coming here, uh, you know, I don't see myself coming in, in necessarily one of the five-fold offices that we function in those, but I believe my posture is simply as a midwife, somebody from the outside that can look in and recognize what you're already carrying in God and to provide uh, a healthy system to see that birth in a sustainable way. And, uh, and so, but the coach or the leader in the room will need to be particularly attentive and encouraging at a time when it is not going to be rewarding to do so. <laughs> Come on, am I speaking to anybody? No seed on that one, huh? Okay. Write the checks. Hold on, I got one. I'll put it in. I'll, come on, I'll, I'll get in on that one. Bam! <laughs> Oftentimes, when folks are the most irritable and volatile, that is when they are on the verge of cutting ties and walking out on everyone that God has placed in their life to help them step into their tomorrow. That is when you know you've entered a time of transition. When you've had enough and you're getting ready to walk out the door, stop. Toward the end of this accelerated phase of development, but often before the cervix is fully dilated, the laboring woman, which is the church, may feel the urge to push. See, a couple of these signs, but especially the urge to push, is an indicator of transition. And see, as leaders, we can recognize what's available to the body, but there's something of the body knowing what's, what it's about to release. Amen? And so you'll be able to recognize times and seasons, oftentimes as prophetic people, we'll see ahead of time what God is about to do. And we'll announce what's coming to prepare the people, but you're coming into a season of, of, of corporate prophetic push. And there's going to be a supernatural grace to, to contract, to be willing to become smaller in the gate that God has given to you so he could birth you in and through the city. Again, we're coming through transition. The laboring woman is the church. The coach may know how the woman needs to push and have an idea of when she, when she can or she should push, but it's important to be aware of when the church feels the urge to push. Here's a quote from Jim Morrison of The Doors. The most important kind of freedom is to be what you really are. In life, you trade in your reality for a role. You trade in your sense for an act. You give up your ability to feel, and in exchange, you put on a mask. There can't be any large-scale revolution until there's a personal revolution and revival. On an individual level, it's got to happen on the inside first. And I'm telling you folks, God is getting ready to do some things corporately for you, but it's going to happen on the inside first. And the same way, we're not going to see any large-scale revival or city awakening or national uh, move of God until we begin to experience personal revival and awakening. We each have been given the stewardship of our own flame. Like those five wise virgins, we must both trim the wick of what's been while daily seeking our fresh filling of his oil so that we are always ripe and always ready for the fires of revival to fall on us. 
Amen? And so it's the cutting away of the wick and the receding of fresh oil. And that's what I feel like Holy Spirit wants to release and to minister to you tonight, is the pouring out of oil. I want to tell you that new names always come in a season of apparent wrestling and struggle with God. See, Genesis, Genesis 32, Jacob, is, it says he crossed over the ford of Jabok. Jabok. Sounds like a Wookiee. Jabok. I like the Wookiee boots, by the way. Ah, the, yeah, I, mean, I was always going to try to take a picture of it and send it to Tina. She would love the Wookiee boots. But anyway, the um, Wookiee boots, like Empire Strikes Back. Anyway, the whole thing. But in Genesis 32, here's what happens. Jacob came to a place. Say place. And see, it's a certain person coming to a certain place at a certain time that always releases the breakthrough. And when he came to this certain place, a place called Jabok, it says that when he crossed over Jabok, all of a sudden he, was account, he, was, he, he encountered the Lord. And he began to wrestle, and he was in a season where he was, he was struggling for his very existence. And he went through this, this, this correspondence of communication with the Lord, where it was the asking of names and the releasing of destiny. Turn with me if you can to Genesis 32. Genesis 32. Genesis 32. Okay. Verse 22. He arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabok. Now, interestingly, who knows what Jabok means in the Hebrew? To empty oneself out. To pour yourself out like an offering. I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle. Here's my spout. It's the willingness to become small, to empty ourselves. See, Jacob emptied himself of self, so the only thing that was left was him. He came to a place in his life where he was willing to empty himself, so the only thing that was left was him, the Lord. And it was in that place of wrestling, that place of contending for destiny, that not only did he encounter God, but he was given a new name. See, in verse 24, it says, Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of a new day. Say, new day. See, oftentimes when you feel alone, that's the best time to encounter him. Jeremy and I were talking about that today, about just the, the times of encounter that, that Jeremy's had uh, just in his car, and, and just these moments of breakthrough when it was just him, the Lord, and, uh, and his vehicle. And so I want to encourage you, those of you who, who, who walked through a season where you feel alone, or you find yourself in a season right now where you just feel isolated, you're in a great place to encounter him. Amen? And see, as we begin to position ourselves, as we begin to pour ourselves out, to make ourselves empty, to make ourselves void, to be willing to come to the place where we want to cross over, be poured out, and to empty ourselves of self so that the only thing left is him, God will begin to position us to receive a new name and a fresh touch. A new name and a fresh touch. And see, what's interesting, in John 5, 19, Jesus was asked how he, how he could do the things that, that he did and how he could walk by all of these lame men at this pool of Bethesda and go to one man who had been lame for 38 years and touch him and release heaven there on earth. And this is what he said to me. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. And a major key to seeing what the Father is doing is the humility, the contraction to realize that of ourselves, we can do nothing, but with him, we can do all things. Amen? 
all things are possible to him who believes. That's what Jared was singing. See, it's in this place that we open up our heart to the love of Papa God to receive the eye-opening power of his love for us and that love for others. In John 5, 20, Jesus began to tell us about how he saw what the Father was doing. And this is what he said. He says, the Father loves the Son. He loves me. And it said that the love that Father God had for his Son has for all of us. How many sons in the house? The Father loves you. The Father loves you, Nancy. The Father loves you, Reward. The Father loves you, Scott. And it says, and because of that love, he shows you all things. Everything that he's doing, even greater works than these that we may all marvel. See, and the key to becoming a greater works generation is not about, you know, how much we study or fast or any of, any of, the, any of the spiritual disciplines that we do out of our love for him to re recalibrate things in our life to our heart could be more fully aligned with him. It's simply recognizing he loves me. That's what Christy was talking about. And as we align our heart with his love, all of a sudden we begin to see through his eyes. And we simply mirror out of obedience and willingness here on earth what God is doing and greater works are released. Amen? So again, Jacob was left alone. It's often when we feel the most alone in a, or in a deserted hallway that we're positioned to find God in a new way, receive a new name, take on a new identity, and become a new wineskin. In your wrestlings with God and your wrestlings with others, it's often when you discover the who of who you were born to be. And again, it's during this time of, of, of transition and this time of contractions. Oftentimes, it's during seasons of our wrestling with God and wrestling with others that our perception of life changes. Here's what happened. Verse 25, when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? So he said, Jacob. Now, how many of you know God knew what Jacob's name was? But see, he could, not, he, could, he could not give him the new name until he was willing to let go of the old. And see, what does Jacob mean? Supplanter, deceiver, liar, thief, right? But God could work with that guy. Now, we don't, we don't endorse the methodology, but we love the heart. Because Jacob's heart was like this. He said in Psalm 27, he said, you said, the, the Lord, said, Lord said to me, seek my face. And my heart said, your face I will seek. You see, it said in Hebrews 12, 16, that Esau, the brother, it said that he compromised his birthright for a morsel of food. He was willing to give up what was coming for what was. And it's something that was going to leave him empty within a few hours. He'd be right back where he started from. And how often does that happen in our life? Instead of waiting, we compromise in a moment and we end up right back where we began. But what was awesome was when he wrestled with God and he was willing to receive a new name, he went from someone who was trying to accomplish in his own strength what God wanted to give him to being a son that could rule from his father's house. See, the name Israel means a prince who will rule. And up until then, you know, all throughout Jacob's life, he was, he was known by what he did. He was known, you know, yes, he was hungry. He says, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau I have hated. Malachi 1, 2, and 3, and also quotes it in Romans 9, 13. But Esau was short-sighted and only had his belly on his mind. Jacob had hidden dreams of legacy and lineage in his heart. And because of that, he sought his face. 
Esau sought food, Jacob sought face. And there's a generation like Jacob rising and their heads are beginning to lift. Not only are they going to become gates of praise that establish everlasting doors for the king of glory to come in and take over cities, but they're going to begin to transform nations as nations begin to come to the brightness of their rising. See, Jacob was so desperate for the blessing, he was willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get it. And while those aren't approved methods, God worked with a heart like Jacob and shaped those desires into a righteous nation and a peculiar people that he would one day call his own. Jacob was so desperate for God, when God showed up, he got more desperate. And my encouragement to you is, as the presence of the Lord increases, do not settle. Do not pull back. Be thankful for where you're at, but allow every touch to make you hungry for more. No matter how much of God we ever have, we never have all of God. There is always more. We must never arrive. We must always remain on a journey like a pilgrim whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Now, when he asked, he said, what's your name? He said, Jacob. Jacob, of course, meant heel grabber, supplanter, deceiver, twister, manipulator, circumventer. The name Jacob was not who he was. The name Jacob was what he did. And this is one of the things that is corresponding with a natural name change for the house is God is wanting to deliver us from an identity based on what we do instead of what we do based on who we are. And it went from being known and named for personal actions taken in pursuit of a God-given promise to a new name that had nothing to do with anything that Jacob could ever do, but everything to do with who his father was. See, he's not a prince unless he's a son of a king. And so he was renamed. And as he was renamed, his function began to change. And he was no longer living in pursuit of a fleeting promise, but he was living from a place called promise toward earth. He was living as a son and no longer someone who had to lie, cheat, and steal, manipulate a situation and try to control the hearts of others to advance his own cause. And that's one of the things that God wants to do. God wants to, he wants to change your name. He wants to change my name. He wants to change our name. See, Jacob was pursuing a blessing of God and the affirmation of God. However, he came to a place where his identity was no longer about what he did. Israel was who he was because of who his father is. Oftentimes people, um, you know, we, we, we believe that we have all the answers, but it's simply that we've not asked the right questions. And one of the things that's going to happen for many of you is you're coming into a season where uh, your desire for the deeper things of God is going to increase in a way to where you're going to begin to ask different questions, and as a result, you're going to get different answers. He's going to begin to retool. He's going to begin to reshape. He's going to begin to draw you in so he can send you out. But I want to talk to you about 14 things the Lord spoke to me about about putting off in this season so we can put on the new. And again, I'm just hitting some bullet points, and then we're going to move into the real message for tonight. But it's time that we put off the old. <laughs> Famous words, right? It's time, to put, it's time that we put off the old so that we can put on the new. It's time to put off the works. There you go. She's sewing into the new message. Put off the works, the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. That we put off the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and we put on the fruit of the spirit. Get this, that we put off our performance and we put on his approval. I believe that strongly for this house. That we put off anything and everything in our life that has a root of fear and instead we put on faith. That we put off our works and we put on his finished work. That we put off lack and we put on more than enough. 
That we put off expectation, but we put on expectancy. We put off worry, and we put on thanksgiving. We put off heaviness, and we put on praise. We put off the good, and even the acceptable, to put on the perfect. We put off shame, and to put on double honor. We put off confusion, and we put on joy. We put off regret, to put on repentance. You see, repentance, as you know, is not saying we're sorry. It's changing the way we think. It's thinking differently. And if we can change the way we think, we will change the way we live. Choosing repentance in the place where, we, uh, where most are stuck in regret is actually the key that brings us into the restoration of all things. Acts 3, 19 through 21 says this. It says, so repent, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God, that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean, that times of refreshing and recovery from the effects of heat, the reviving with fresh air, may come to you from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send to you the Christ, the Messiah, who before was designated and appointed for you, even Jesus who heaven must receive and retain until the time for the complete restoration of all that God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets from ages past, from the most ancient time in the memory of men. And I'll tell you, one of the keys to renewing our mind and repentance is to put on the garment of praise because when we put on the garment of praise, it is us putting on God and God putting on us. It says this in Judges 6.34, it says that, you know, when you look at the original language in the Hebrew, that, 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 that God put on Gideon like a glove. He reached into those deep places of Gideon. How many of you, how many of you ever put on a glove? You know, John had these, these amazing cowhide gloves last night. We were talking about gloves. And how many of you know that you can, you can put on a glove, and if there's something in the finger, man, you, it just can't, your, your hand can't stay there, right? And so because of that, the Lord is reaching deep within so many of us, pulling out um, all of the pieces of our past, all of the, the crumbs of yesterday to break that welfare mentality in our heart to where we no longer look at, look at a body to meet a personal need. But we recognize that with him and us, we can meet the needs of others. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Turn with me to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. We'll go ahead and start getting into our message now. <laughs> Psalm 92, verse 10. And um, we're gonna we're gonna do the same thing. We're gonna you know be able to to, to land tonight at nine thirty when the um, when the children do we have children's ministry children tonight? Okay. Well, still because of the roads and everything like that, we want to try to get you guys uh, out of here, get you home safe. Um, and so you know no later than nine thirty we'll stop speaking. But I also want to pray for everybody tonight out of this fresh oil, and um, we, we won't belabor anything. Um, but we want to like I said get you home safely. And, um, and, and, but also allow for the Lord to pour out tonight all that's in his heart for you. Amen? Mm. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Psalm 92. And I'm just kind of flipping gears here, transitionally in my own heart. I wanted to be able to get you a couple line upon line things, but now it's time to, time to preach and begin to share from my heart, not just from, a, from an outline. And there's a lot here, you know, we just don't have time to get into. Um, but I feel like tonight's more about this impartation of fresh oil and the completion of God's house. So Psalm 92 verse 10, it says, My horn you've exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. Say it with me. Say, my horn. You have exalted like a wild ox. And I have been anointed with fresh oil. Oh, how many of you like the fresh oil? Come on, listen. Oh, shikarabababababate. Listen, when he exalts your horn, it's about the amplification of your voice. 
It's interesting. How many of you know the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? And I've spoken to this before. This is a Cornelius' house in the city. It says not only because, it said Cornelius, he was a devout man and he feared God, right? Prayed always, gave generously right? And it was the prayer life and the generosity of the house that came up as a memorial to God that drew the attention of the father to where he said, I want to pour out my spirit in a city and to a people group that up until now have not had access to this gift. Where can I do it? Cornelius's house. You know what Cornelius means in the Greek? Horn. It's the exaltation of, 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 of gatekeepers and beachheads in the city. He said, the prayers and the generosity have come up before me, and I'm going to pour out my spirit in this place, because I know in this house, if I pour out my spirit, it will not be contained, but it'll be poured out. That I could pour in, that they would pour out. And so God is exalting your horn. He's, he's giving an amplification to your voice, and he's anointing with fresh oil. What does it mean to be anointed with fresh oil? It means what, 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 what you tried yesterday that you couldn't do, all of a sudden you'll have a fresh, fresh grace to do it today. That, that all of a sudden the areas where, where you were growing weary in your heart and, and it was kind of like, you know, growing weary and well-doing where you were just like, you know, just kind of losing that pep in your step. Anybody with me? One of the things that I felt since coming to the city was this spirit of slumber that's trying to get on you. I'll tell you, Romans 13 says awake. It's, it's, it's high time to wake up. Time to wake up. It's time to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And putting off the old, putting off the old expectation that we could put on the new is the new created according to God. It tells us in Ephesians 4.22, and that is Jesus Christ. But it goes on to say, my eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ear, my, 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 my ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous, who's righteous? Come on. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for you, that you would become the righteousness of God in Christ. How do you become? See, become speaks of a process, right? You become what you behold. And see, the enemy would try to get you to look at, at, at the areas in your life that, that may not measure up to what you feel are the standards. But I can tell you this, as you look into the face of Jesus, you'll become just like him. And so we become the righteous of God in Christ as we behold Christ himself. So the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Say, I'm going to flourish. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on, fresh and flourishing, fresh and flourishing, fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Turn with me, take a left over to Psalm 89. Psalm 89, verse 14. Say, I've been anointed. I've been anointed. Listen, you want to know, you want to know uh, the motivation of why the Lord wants to anoint us? Psalm 45, 7 says, you've hated wickedness. How many of you in here just hate wickedness? Oh, your heart's grieved. But you love righteousness. It says, therefore, God, your God has anointed you. That's it. That's the qualifier. Hate wickedness, love righteousness, bam. Uh. Bama. Bama. It's just fun to say, Bama, Bama. I tell you, Bama and Texas, they get along well. Come on now, birds of a feather, you got to fly together. Psalm 89, verse 14. And again, this is what I believe that God wants to do. He wants to put fresh oil in your lamp as you cut away the wick of what's been. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy, which is also translated favor and truth, go before your face. 
Remember we talked about last night, Proverbs 16, 15. In the light of the king's face, there's life. And his favor is like the cloud of latter rain. You see, that, that, that generation of Jacob is the heartfelt response that when he says, hey, Jeremy, seek my face, that Jeremy's heart leaps within and says, oh, your face I will seek. See, because when you come into his face, you also come into his favor. Psalm 512 says he surrounds the righteous with favor like a shield. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 in the Amplified says, now, today is the day of favor. And there's new garments of praise being released for the spirit of heaviness to unlock new garments of favor, to bring you into a season of increased stature, the exaltation of your horn. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. This house knows the joyful sound. Oh man, I love the heart of worship in this place, but, but it's, it's, it's a heart of worship from joy. It really is. You know, just there, there's just this outbreak. I mean, when you, when you look at, at, at what God is doing, not just in the freedom of worship, there is really a well of joy in this house. And it says in Isaiah 12, 3, that you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And see, joy is actually a tool that we have been given to draw from the deep places in God. And so it's the shouts of joy. This word joyful sound in the Hebrew means shouts of joy, joyous shouts. And I'm telling you, that's the new sound that's coming to the house and coming to the city. The shouts of joy. They walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. In your name, they rejoice all day long. And in your righteousness, they are exalted. For you are the glory of their strength. I'm telling you, folks, you guys, you guys didn't hear me earlier when I was talking about Cleon. Because we, we, we got to really get this. We're in the midst of a winter storm. We're in the midst of, of the treasuries of heaven being unlocked first in the natural, then in the spirit, and having these signs in the heavens releasing wonders in the earth. God, God of all the names that this storm could have been called, it could have been called Bertrude or Gertrude. I was thinking Bertha and Gertrude. They came together. Bertha or Gertrude? Bertrude. Bertrude. Come on now. Anybody having, anybody having a baby? Conjunction, conjunction, junction. What's your function? Yeah, contraction. Come on, Bertrude. Bertrude, I like that. Bertha and Gertrude. It could have been named anything. He chose to name it glory. He chose to name it glory as a sign of what heaven was wanting to pour out in your life. And it's a clingy glory. It's a sticky favor. It's the guy, anybody ever walked into like a, like you walk into a closet that maybe you haven't walked into in a while and you all of a sudden you just get caught up in, a, in like a cobweb and you're just like, ah, 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 you can't get out of it. It's just stuck to you. I'll tell you, that's the glory that's coming. And if you will go back into your closet, go back into that personal place of encounter, you'll encounter the web of God's glory because it's, it's about to cling to you. But it's a, stor it's a storm called glory. A storm called glory! A storm called glory. That he would open to us his good treasure, the heavens, and cause it to rain on our land in its season. I want to tell you that storm is a sign of the times. It's 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 a sign of the times. And see, God has just given you a little bit of taste, a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a taste of what your treasury looks like. He's got a lot more up there. He's got a lot more. 
Look at how this, this storm has, has, has captivated the heart of a city. Then look at the redemptive purpose of God, the, the, what God wants to do in the outpouring of his glory. An entire city was changed. Not only that, the world was changed. Think about all the flights that were, that were canceled even through DFW. See, you can always look at the redemptive purposes of God by, by looking at uh, the, 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 um, what the enemy does or what's, what's released. And, and, and you can begin to see, wait a minute, God is wanting to send us out of this place to the nations. Because we recognize the storm in the natural grounded the planes, the storm in the spirit is about to cause those planes to take off again. So some of you that have been grounded in your calling, you're about to get new wings. New wings. New wings. For you are the glory of their strength. And get this, and in your favor. What? In your favor, our horn is exalted. And what? In your favor our horn is exalted. What did David say? You've exalted my horn like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. How many of you want fresh oil tonight? Come on, just say it. Say it. Say it. I've been anointed with fresh oil. See, listen, you get what you praise for. 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 Lord, we praise you for fresh oil in the house. Lord, we praise you, Lord, that these are bright and shining lamps. We're cutting away the wicks of what's been. And Lord, a fresh filling of your oil would come to every heart in Jesus' name. It goes on to say that not only in your favor is our horn exalted, but it says our shield belongs to the Lord and our king to the Holy One of Israel. What is our shield? We got a shield called faith and a shield called favor. Psalm 512, he surrounds the righteous with favor as with a shield, right? Ephesians 6, we've got a shield called faith. And we can actually activate favor by faith. Then you spoke in a vision. What are we at? We're at vision 2014. You spoke in a vision to your holy one and said, I have given help to one who is mighty. That word mighty simply means son. It's the same word used in Psalm 29 when it says, give unto the Lord glory, you mighty ones. It's the same invitation that is given to those when it, when it talks about what would happen when the God of glory thunders in Psalm 29. But it says he would give strength, he would give strength, to, he would give help to one as mighty. He said, I have exalted one chosen from the people. I have found my servant David with my holy oil. I have anointed him with whom my hand shall be established. Also my arm shall strengthen him. See, the Lord wants to anoint us with holy oil. Here we are on the last night of Hanukkah. We've got our oil. We're saying, Lord, we'd rather have yours. Thank you for the one, but we want the anointing for the new thing. We need fresh oil because we're here to rededicate a house. We're here to rededicate a temple. Turn with me to Haggai chapter one. Haggai chapter one. Shikaraba. I mean, come on, a storm named glory. Could have been Bertrude. Could have been Bertrude. Bertrude. Come on now. That's just fun to say. Bertrude. Bertrude. Come on now. Somebody's going to name a child Bertrude. Watch and see. Haggai chapter 1. You know what? You know, honestly, too, well, you know, I, I love this house for so many reasons. But, but, one, but one, one reason I, I love coming here is the fact that we can just have fun. We can have fun. 
You know, we don't have to just stay, you know, line upon line. But I believe that's how the Lord is. It says Psalm 2, 4, he sits in heaven and laughs, right? We just give him some stuff to laugh at. <laughs> you know? Haggai 1, chapter, Haggai chapter 1, verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, you know, I, I, I love the word, I love the word came. So many times throughout the scripture, the word of the Lord came. And I'll tell you, there's a coming word of the Lord. It's a fresh coming word of the Lord where it's literally being sent to you. Because I'm telling you, the word that is sent always accomplishes. It always prospers. But it says it's time for you yourselves, it's time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple to lie in ruins. It says, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple to lie in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. How many of you have felt like you've been in that place? So much, reap little. And even what you have gets blown away. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And I would also, I would add to that, not just consider your ways, but also where they have brought you to. Because what I feel like we have grace to do, even tonight, is to choose course correction. Anybody, we all have GPSs now, right? And I'm the kind of guy that follows the GPS to a fault. <laughs> Tina makes a joke. I guess there was an Office episode where Steve Carell is, is following it. And he's like, he's like, I can't stop. I can't stop driving into the lake. I'm that guy. <laughs> complete autopilot. I just follow the signs. I do. I follow the signs. And see, we've got to consider our ways and where they've brought us to. There's an opportunity for a course correction. And what I saw for you guys was there was an ability for those of you who felt like you had gone off course in one way or another, we could repent simply by changing the way we think and get right back on track. Get right back on track. I saw this, this blue electric arc. That was, I saw, well, I saw it was like, like almost like a branch. And it was, there, there was a living vine. And then there was a branch that had the appearance of life in the beginning. And then it grew, uh, it grew darker and it grew brittle the further it went. And I saw that many of you uh, uh, have, have actually gone down this other branch. And all of a sudden, by the time it started looking brittle and it looked like it was having a loss of life, you figured it was too late. Because you said, you know, I, I really don't have time to turn around and go back. And so I might as well just try to finish this thing out. And what you, you feel like you've come to a dead end. You feel like you've come to a place where you're stuck. And I want to tell you, there's an opportunity to get back on the right track. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Repent and be converted. Get back onto the track. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. It says, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that, that's, that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew. And the earth withholds its fruit. For I have called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock and on all their labor of their hands. So what was it? There was a, a, a drought on the grain, on the new wine and the oil. See, the grain, speaks of, uh, the grain speaks of being able to rightly divide the word of truth. Zechariah 9, it says that grain would cause the young men to thrive or to flourish and new wine, the young women. You see, Isaiah 65, 8 says, new wine is found in the cluster. It's a relational fruit. And when you think of a cluster of grapes, they're intimately connected to one another, but they're rightly connected to him and his community. What does wine speak of? Joy in the Holy Ghost. 
and oil. And these are the three things that God wants to cause to flourish in this house. Fresh grain, new wine, and fresh oil. Grain, wine, and oil. In Joel, it talks about uh, the, the giving back of the grain, the giving back of the oil, the giving back uh, of the wine. But it goes on to say, and if you look at this, the heavens above you withhold the dew, the earth withholds its fruit. What was the promise we released out of Zechariah 8.12? That the seed, would be, the seed would be prosperous, the vine would yield its strength, the heavens would give their dew, and the ground would give her increase. And who does it say would possess all these? The remnant of his people. The remnant of his people. Verse 12, it says, Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. See what happened? He said, guys, listen, we've been going one direction and now we're going to go a different direction. See, we're coming to the end of one year and the beginning of another. It's a great time. People call it New Year's resolutions. In other words, they, they recognize, you know, this is how my life ended, or my, my year ended, and this is the change I want to make. There's grace, even during this season of Hanukkah, to, 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 to rededicate some areas in our life. To recognize some areas where we've sown much and we've reaped little. To recognize there's some areas where we've sought the building of our house opposed to the building of his. It goes on to say, verse 13, Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. I'm with you, says the Lord. Much like the angel we were talking about yesterday in, in Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38, the angel came to Mary and said, blessed are you, highly favored one. Blessed are you, highly favored one. And this house has such a merry call. What you're carrying is him. What you're carrying is him, and you've come to like a fullness of time season in your life to where the him that you carry has become greater than self. Verse 14, so the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. And my prayer tonight is that the Lord would stir us. See, I can teach and teach and teach, and it won't matter until the Holy Spirit takes all those pieces and puts them together in you. Only Holy Spirit can stir there was a, there was a, a stirring that happened in, in Elizabeth and John the Baptist's life. And this is what it looked like. Mary walks into the room and she is, of course, had conceived the one called promise. And, and, and as she walked in pregnant with promise, John the Baptist began to leap in his mama's belly. And see, he was stirred up. Stir it up. Come on now. Stir it up. Go ahead and put your hand on your belly. See, Paul, in 2 Timothy 1.6, there's a different anointing here tonight. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.6, he had to remind Timothy, he said, hey, Timothy, I remind you, stir up the gift of God. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but power of living a sound mind. Why did he have to be reminded? Because he forgot what he carried. And Holy Spirit wants to remind you what you got, what you carry. You got a gift. You are a gift. So just go ahead and put your hand on your belly. And here's how you're going to stir it up. I've heard people use that scripture. Of going, da, da, da. No, we're not going to do that. Here's how you're going to do it up. I want you just to take a moment and allow the revelation of the goodness of God to flood, to flood the chambers of your heart. I lo listen, I love praying in the Holy Ghost. That's part of it. You can do that. Absolutely. You can kickstart that Honda if you have to. But I'll tell you, the revelation of his goodness always leads us to repentance. And if we can change the way we think tonight, we can change the way we live tomorrow. No! If we change the way we think tonight, we can change the way we live tomorrow. And so right now, there's a revelation coming of goodness. 
Let it come to you. And it's going to unlock joy. It's going to unlock a joyful sound. It's going to unlock shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. Shouts of joy. Joy, 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 joy down in my... <laughs> Lord, right now, I pray for that, that spirit of wisdom and revelation of the goodness of God, the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of God, and God is only good. This city wants to know a good God. Who's going to show them? See, they're going to come into your gates. They're coming to your gates. They're coming to your gates. Mm. Yeah, more. More. Some glory storms. Some glory storms. The Lord's getting ready to change some weather patterns in your life. The landscape is about to shift because there's alignment with heaven and earth right now happening in your heart. And it's a necessary alignment for the coming assignment to build him a house, to prepare a place that is wholly his. Stir him up, God. Stir him. Stir. Stir. See, what happens when you stir ingredients? You bring them all together into, as one. That's what I see. I see, I see almost like a mixing bowl where multiple ingredients are being poured into one place. And this, the hand of God is coming down to stir all of the individual pieces to become one new thing. Stir us up, God. Bring us together. Bring us together. Stay in that place. But it says, the son of Shethiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of, jo the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, they came and they worked on the house of the Lord. They came and they worked on the house. That word worked there means they accomplished and they advanced. They accomplished and they advanced. They accomplished and they advanced. Chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In the seventh month, on the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? Again, we're in the midst of a storm called glory. And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel. And I speak to this house, be strong, Zerubbabel. How, how, did, how did God tell Joshua to be strong and of good courage? To not let this book, to not let this book depart from his mouth, but to, but to live in that word day and night, that he could observe to do all that was written in it. And the word of the Lord to you is be strong and be courageous because you've never been where you're about to go. You've never been where you're about to go. You've never been where you're about to go. Do not let this book depart from your mouth. Do not let the promise depart from your life. Eat it, chew it, meditate on it. Eat it, chew it, meditate on it. Keep your finger there and just turn with me to Ezra 1. On the way there, take a, take a pit stop at Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45, different anointing tonight. 
Isaiah 45. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held, to subdue nations before him, to loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors, the double doors, the double doors, so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight so that the gates will not be shut. I'm telling you, it's, by, it's Thanksgiving that brings us into the gate, but I'm telling you, Thanksgiving is also entering this gate. Isaiah 28, 5 and 6 says, the Lord would be a crown of glory, a crown of Cleon, crown of glory to a remnant of people and the spirit of justice to those who had set in judgment. To those who had set in a place of judgment, he said he would come as justice. And he would be strength to those who turn back battle at the gate. And that word gate in the Hebrew means the mind. It means to think. How many of you have been in a, in a season, especially over this last three weeks, where there's been like an onslaught of accusation in your mind? That, that's what the fresh oil is for. Psalm 23 says that in the presence of my enemies, he anoints my head with oil and my cup begins to run over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know who Shirley is, but goodness and mercy, I want them. Surely, goodness and mercy. Those three guys, they just they hang out. Come on, they come together. It's a package deal. Three-fold cord, bam. Shirley's driving. I was thinking of Shirley and Raj. Anyway, what's happening? God is opening not just a door, but double doors for the going and coming, for the giving and receiving, for the going out and the coming in. He says, I will break in pieces the gate of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you, say he's going to give me, the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Shazam. Bama. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. See, when we talk about darkness, a lot of times people think that's a negative thing. I want to tell you darkness. Darkness is a deep place. In Exodus 20, it says that God can be found in the darkness. So it says, and also in Second um, uh, Chronicles 6, when in the dedication of Solomon's temple, it talked about how God uh, dwelled in the thick, dark cloud. The thick, dark cloud. And it's the deep place. The deep place. The deep place. And so he wants to, to give to you the treasures of the deep and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know, like David saying earlier, that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name and the God of Israel, for Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect. Now turn over to Ezra 1, 1 through 6. We're going to look at this and then go back to Haggai and finish up. Yeah. And I, you know, I almost kind of feel like a governor in the place today, you know, uh, or like almost kind of like the Lord is, uh, is, is holding certain things in our life. Um, and, and it's going to be like this, this busting out, this busting out like in, in a little bit here, but it's almost like, like, a, like, a, like a, a reservation right now, because I feel like there's like, like almost like a, for such a time as this release tonight, it's like, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And then he's going to pour and he's going to pour. And he's going to pour. And he's going to pour. It's going to be a pour called more. Pour, pour, pour. More, more, more. But Ezra 1, it says this. It says, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be filled. It says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. See, in 
Isaiah had prophesied the coming of Cyrus 100 years before Cyrus ever came on the scene. I want to tell you that you are here as the, as, as if you can hear this, the, God, listen, God, when it, God chooses oftentimes to answer the prayers of his people through the lives of other people. Amen? And so we know that he is the Lord of the harvest. However, we are the laborers that he sent. Amen? And so if you can hear this, you embody, you encapsulate the answer to prayers that were played, prayed in this city 100 plus years ago. See, there's been prophecies that have, that have echoed throughout this city that were pointing to a day called today, and they were pointing to one called the one like you. Because Cyrus was going to be born for a specific purpose, and it had to do with not just, not just the rebuilding, but also the rededicating of his temple. And see, that is why God has positioned you here for such a time as this. It goes on to say that not only did he stir up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdoms, and also put in writing, saying, "Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah." Wait a minute, where, where, where are we building the house? In praise. We're building a house in Judah. It's in our praise that we're actually constructing a new thing. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand the world we live in was framed by the words God spoke. Any, any, any construction guys in here? Anybody ever frame something out? See, literally, you, you have a blueprint and then you begin to build based on the pattern. And see, it was the proclamation of Cyrus, but I want to tell you it's the praise of his people because God is enthroned in the what? The praises of his people. And so you exist in this city to create a throne for him, a throne of righteousness, a throne of justice. It's the Psalm 89, 14 through 21, and it's in that place he'll anoint you with the holy oil. It says, then the heads of the fathers, the houses of Judah, excuse me, back one up, the, um, who is among you of all his people? May, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of, God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, beside the freewill offerings for the house of God, which, in, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers, houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, rose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And see, you would not be here tonight if you were not being called to build a house. And it was Judah working together with Benjamin. What was Benjamin known for? He was the son of favor. He was the son of favor. He was the one who, 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 who the cup was placed in his bag. He is a son of favor. And I'm telling you, a garment of praise is going to unlock a new garment called favor. There's an anointing coming to this. Like I said, I love the, I love the heart of worship in this house, but there's coming a fresh grace and a fresh oil for praise. Because praise is your posture and plunder is your function. The heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, all the priests and the Levites, uh, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. Now turn with me back to Haggai. We'll go ahead and, and finish up here. 
again, chapter two, verse one. And the come in the seventh month. On the 21st of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheathiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes as nothing? Yet now, be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of this land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you. And see, we know that Haggai is prophesying to the very same thing that Zechariah received the encounter of in Zechariah 4, amen? When the angel of the Lord came to him and began to show him that it wasn't going to be by his might, it was not going to be by his power, but it was going to be by the Spirit, saith the Lord. And that creates in a lot of people's minds a complacency where they're like, well, if, if I can't do it, I'll just wait. I'll sit here and I'll just, I'll pray till it happens and it's, I'll just, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. And that's good. It's good to wait with God. It's good to wait with God. But we've got to marry our prayer with our praise. We've got to marry our prayer with our praise. We've got to marry our prayer with our praise. Because then the heart has a voice. And that's what I see God doing in this house. He's marrying the foundation and the purity of the prayer and the incense that has been established in this house, and he's giving it a voice that will not only cause gates to be open, but also courts to execute justice on behalf of the righteous. Goes on. It says, according to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. He said, listen, I am with you. Work. Again, that word work means accomplish, advance. Accomplish the purpose and advance the kingdom. It's time to put our hand to what he's doing. It goes on to say, for, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. They shall come. Jesus is at the door and his nations are with him. Psalm 2.8 says, ask of me for the nations and I will give them to you as an inheritance. You know, the great thing about inheritance is you don't have to go after it. It comes after you. But patience inherits what faith sees. Patience inherits what faith sees. It's faith and patience married together that inherits the promise. I will shake all nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord. Cleon. Bama. Shazam. Bertrude. The silver. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord. Now, why did he have to make that distinction? Because he said, hey, listen, you've got something that's got my name on it. I think it's no mistake that on our money it says, in God we trust. He made sure, listen, I don't think, I, they can do whatever they want to do. They can try to take prayer out of schools. They will never be able to take his name off our money because it's a sign. He said, that's mine. He said, I've got something you want and you've got something that belongs to me. The silver and the gold is coming to the house. The silver and the gold is coming to the house. It's coming in a monetary way, but it's also coming in a prophetic way. Silver always speaks of redemption and gold speaks of glory. 
God is coming to redeem the times and to release his glory. Verse 9, the glory, the Cleon of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. There's a positioning that we have. We talked about it last night. That in Solomon's temple, the ark was positioned beneath the treasury room. And even as we've positioned ourselves in a ministry to the presence, and, and, and a ministry to that which is holy unto God, we've positioned ourselves for the treasure to be released upon our life. Because like David, and I, I love that, that David did his best work nearly naked. That's a tweet. Get on that, Amory. Nope. <laughs> but quote Jeremy, not me. Isn't Amory awesome? Let's thank the Lord for her. Come on now. Turn, turn with me to Zechariah 4. I've got five minutes. I know. Tracy had to preach it in ten, so I'm going to see if I can do it in, in five. Because we're coming to a day. We're stepping into an hour where we're not just being positioned to receive from the treasury, but we're being given keys to unlock treasury for an entire city. Do you know that was the key of David in Isaiah 22, 22. It was the key to the treasury of the king. You know that? It was, Eli, it was given to Eliab. Eliab. E-L-I-A-B. And it was a key to the treasury to, to shut a door that no man could open and open a door that no man could shut. Interestingly, with the key of David, you have to shut a door before a new one can open. And so what I feel like what God is doing during our time together is he's shutting doors. And for some of us, you know, corporately, there, there's, there, there's certain doors that we're all shutting as one. But then also, we each have an opportunity to recognize the areas that maybe we got a little off course and we want to see that door shut so you could open up a door that no man could shut. So we could walk into a room called destiny. We could, we could reposition ourselves in the ark of his presence and allow the treasury that he's placed over our life to be fully unlocked and be fully released in this season. But before the, before the greater glory came to the latter temple, he said, hey, listen, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. He had to loosen what had a hold on their heart so that he could capture their heart in a new way. And that's why so many of us, again, we, we joked about it, about, you know, the testimony, 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 right? We overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, loving our lives not to death. And we're all like, yes, the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. Hey, what you talking about now? <laughs> testimony almost always has to do with the testing of your money. Testimony. See, you don't know what, you don't know what kind of test my money been through. I got testimony. <laughs> but I'll tell you, when you pass that test, you can love your life not unto death. That's why there's always the test. It says in Genesis 22 that God tested Abraham, but Abraham turned around and tested God. He tested him by saying, go to the mountain I tell you to go and give what I tell you to give. And we see in verse 14 that he said, I'll call the name of this place Jehovah Jireh. He came to a place in his life that I believe that God is bringing all of us. He did, he, you know, we, we all grew up doing the Pentecostal pogo and singing Jehovah Jireh, my provider, but Abraham never called God Jehovah Jireh. He said, I'm gonna call this place Jehovah Jireh because I'm setting up a marker in my life of a place where I came where I was completely willing and fully obedient to go where he told me to go and give what he told me to give because in that place, not only was he released with his son, 
but he was also released with lineage, legacy, and destiny. The immediate need was met and the unlocking of the promise to come. Zechariah 4. Two minutes. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was awakened out of sleep. And I feel like this oil tonight is a wake-up call. It's awakening, 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 awakening. How many of you even feel slumber in here tonight? Listen, I know the natural conditions. It's great just to curl up with a hot cocoa and an afghan. Come in your, come in your snuggie. The anointed onesie like, uh, like, like Matthew had last night. That was on him. He wasn't wearing it. But that would have been awesome. I wanted one. I, I listen, I wanted one. <laughs> I saw it. I was like, I want that. Sure. Yeah, I know. Come on. Yeah. Hook me up with an anointed onesie. Come on now. It's the mantle of Psalm 8 too. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise and ordained strength. Come on, Jesus. I like some pajamas with feet in them. How about you? Come on now. <laughs> but I'm telling you, God, God wants to wake us up tonight. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it with oil. He's going to do it with a fresh anointing for a new thing. Even as we came last night and we said, Lord, we'd rather take our one day supply and put it in your house than just hold on to what we've had. We're believing for a new thing. The angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on this stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. And see, I'm going to approach this scripture tonight as a now word and not just an eschatological understanding or not just the full historical understanding or anything like that. I'm telling you tonight that when God wakens you, wakes you up, you're going to see again for the first time. Because as soon as he was woken up, he said, what do you see? It's vision 2014. It's eyes to see eyes to see because God is wanting to bring us into 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, Brandon. It hasn't even entered into the hearts of God. I mean, the hearts of man, what God has prepared for you, York, but he's revealing it tonight through fresh oil, the ministry of Holy Spirit. That's why it was important for us just to pull in, pull in, pull into that revelation of the goodness of God so we could, we could repent. We could change the way we thought. We could change, because if we can change the way we think today, we can change the way we live tomorrow. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at the left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked to me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And he said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power. Not by any action of Jacob, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain before Zerubbabel? You should become a plain. I want to tell you, whatever obstacle, whatever opposition is standing in front of you right now, you've heard me say it before, if there's an enemy in your life, I guarantee you there's a table between you and that mountain. Psalm 23 says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. See, a fresh anointing, an anointing of fresh oil always comes in the presence of your enemies because God is anointing you to engage a battle that you've already won. 
And it's in that place you, you enter in, you come out of the valley of the shadow of death, this valley that has the appearance of loss, and you enter into a season called overflow. Because he said, my cup overflows. And this is what I see in the season of favor for you with this new name, with this new season, with this restructuring, this threefold cord that we were looking at earlier. God is positioning you for a season of overflow. He's going to recalibrate. He's going to reposition. There's going to be a moving around at the table. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be awesome. It's going to, it's, I mean, there's like a rhythm to the dance. I just, I just see the Lord. It's, it's almost like, it's almost like this, just this synergy of motion where all of a sudden people are going to be plugged into purpose. And it's not just going to be the accomplishing of tasks, but it's going to be like, oh my gosh, I've wanted to do this my entire life. I just never knew it. Yep. To where all of a sudden the things that they put their hand to are going to be the things that they were made for. And see, a lot of us for a long time, we've thought like, oh, this is great. I've wanted to do this my whole life. But honestly, you're going to come into a place where you find eternity that's been hidden in your heart. Yes. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, when it talks about there being a time for everything, you know, the Beatles song, time to die, time to live, da, 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 da. it says that God has hidden eternity within the hearts of man. And I'm telling you, what's getting ready to happen is where you're going to find eternity within your heart and you're going to begin to connect with purpose to where it's no longer about what's done on this side of the veil. But you're going to start living from that side of the veil in this place. He's waking us up and he's asking, what do you see? 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 Because without vision, people perish. But he's anointing our eyes with eyes have that we could see. Who are you, a great mountain? Before his rubble, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. I want to tell you, in the midst of this new thing, in the new structure, it's building on the present foundation. So you don't rip up the footing. Because we have one foundation. We have one foundation. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. I'm just going to read you these verses. I don't have the time to, to preach it to you tonight like I'd like to, but Ephesians 2 verse 19 says, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I want to tell you, what you're becoming is something you grow into. It's not an over-the-night deal. You could, listen, you can flip a switch on a website and a name can change, but where you're going, you're growing. You're going to grow into this thing. It's going to be progressive. It's going to be like the trans tra transition. Arms and legs may have the appearance of going everywhere. The coach may not be getting the, 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 the appreciation, the affirmation that, that, they, that they deserve and the great job that they're doing. But I want to tell you, that's a time that is necessary for birthing a new thing. It's the body's natural progression to come into that new place. The hand of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. And my word to you tonight is the Lord is going to finish what he has started. He's not changing the vision. He's adding and expanding the vision. He's not changing the foundation. It's now simply time to build on the foundation that has been established. For who has despised the day of small things, or for these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel? 
They are, gosh, I'd love to preach on that right now. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth for loyal hearts, hearts that are completely his, to show himself strong on their behalf. You know that word strong? It, it doesn't mean physical strength. It means to fasten himself upon or to attach himself to. And there's a resting of the Lord's eyes on this house because the Lord is about to attach himself to this house and fasten himself to the purpose and the vision that he has given to you to bring it to pass. Verse 11, then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and its left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the gold oil drains? Then he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand before the Lord of the whole earth. Now, again, we're looking at a present revelation. We're not looking at the eschatological aspect of this. But there's, that word there, anointed oil, simply means sons of fresh oil. Sons. Of, these, are, these are sons of fresh oil. And it said, these are those who stand by the Lord. And that's the position that God has given, given you in this city. Much like Tracy said last night about uh, the intercession and how it, it literally halted uh, human trafficking and prostitution. Because she said, not on our watch. See, standing by the Lord is not just a, a personal position, but it's a position of the heart. That we're going to stand by him. We're going to stand by his purposes in our city. And we're not going to back up until we see this thing accomplished. We're not going to take a step back, but we're going to take a step forward. We're going to advance. Because he is with you. He is with you. Highly favored one.